Hello and hey there. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, a show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best surfboard, top bowling ball, best ninja stars, those would be super cool. Nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong, even when we think they are right. I'm your host, Tom Lockhart, and with me as always is... Zach Rancourt. How you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. Uh, my Yahoo grade was a B for my fantasy football team, which is solid. But we all know that means nothing because last year I got a D and I ended up taking second. So Yahoo can suck a D. I, I also got an A or a B. I think only one person in the league got an A and I always feel good about that because the top one has never won the league. I've gone back and looked and if you get the best grade, you're not going to win it. I'm sorry. Who That's got an A? It works. Uh, Dylan was the only one to get an A. Oh, because Cooper Cup, because he got him so late, and that's why. Yeah, it holdovers him. really affect the whole grade thing. <laughs> it really does, but. Uh, but you know who also got a B? Maybe no, it's Eric Shane, and I got a C plus. <laughs> oh, that's close. <laughs> which I which I believe was like the worst grade. Yep, like, nobody got a D, which was yeah. actually pretty good. Uh, it's oh, tied for the worst, yeah. baby. I'm ready. That's fine. That I don't win another championship. That's it's all. That ex- means. Yeah, it's well, it's exactly like you just suggested there. That's the the holdovers completely change the algorithm on how they grade it. And yeah, whatever. It's whatever. I don't, I'm not bitter about it. <sighs> um, sound bitter about it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to be bitter about something before we get this whole episode started. Businesses, if you don't have Wi-Fi, do not tell customers that you do have Wi-Fi because mm-hmm. you messed up our draft and we had to relocate. We would have had 12 or it would have been 11 guys drinking beer for four hours at an establishment that I won't name. But you everything us. went haywire. Oh, boy. Uh, so that was just my little rant because that made me angry over the weekend because I'm a commissioner and I don't want things to go poorly at any point. I've already got to deal with a bunch of idiots who apparently can't hear me talk but (laughs) it's a challenge my man it's a challenge uh but i'm not a commissioner right now i'm a podcaster so Mm -hmm. back into my podcasting character okay (laughs) uh so guys do any of these sayings mean anything to you winter is coming unbowed unbent unbroken or of course Jim Tan Laundry. I think that last one's from another equally good show, but we're talking about Game of Thrones, of course. All mm. of your favorite houses are back from Westeros. They're all back, and they're going to be awesome. Uh, with the release of House of Dragon, we thought we would cover our top five Game of Thrones moments. Now, these could be, I'll clarify, because it could be a small moment or it could be almost an entire scene because some of these will go on for like five minutes and it's just in thrill. It's just great. Uh, To enhance discussion, we didn't share our list with each other. And as usual, we are by no means experts or historians in said categories. We are just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense. And I will start us off with... So there are only three things that make me cry like a little baby when it comes to movies or TV shows. There is, of course, Hardball, 
with Keanu Reeves every time. Sure. Uh, Endgame has become a new one, kind of starting yeah. from like Captain America picking up the hammer to the very end. I can't control myself. I'm going to sob like a little baby. Mm-hmm. And then there is the Game of Thrones episode, The Door. I knew you were oh, going to say boy. that. I even I rewatched the clip of just the ending of Hold the Door. Hold door. And Oh, just sitting, sitting at my desk, watching it, kind of more listening and watching while I work. I was like getting choked up enough that I had to go into the bathroom and kind of like not let my wife see that I'm over here crying at my desk like yeah. a little baby. <laughs> and it just hits me. It's the the acting by young Hodor is just gut wrenching and I can't stand it. It's Bro. just beautiful. I'm actually really happy because this episode is one of the very few that I did not go over to Gordy's and watch it with everyone. Cause I think Whitney had something that she had to do that night. So we watched it later in the night and I was laying in bed with her watching and I started bawling like a little, a little baby. Like I keep saying, and she was just like, are you okay? <laughs> like it is sad, but come on. And that is uh, that one scene is just oh it hurts everything inside of me (laughs) it is a gut wrencher um and they they know it that's how they shot it to have it juxtapose um young hodor with old hodor because you know that both actors did phenomenal in that in that job i mean old hodor is just sort of resigned to his fate at that point terrified but he's like holding on for as long as he can to give any amount of time no idea if he's going to succeed, but he's just using every ounce of strength he has in him in that moment, knowing he's dead, knowing for sure, this is not a brilliant man, but he knows he's dead for Mm -hmm. sure. And to give himself up like that is an immense sacrifice. And the actor was phenomenal. The writing was incredible. And the, the reveal it's the reveal on top of it, that Hodor is short. It was like a, you know, hold the door. Like, impossible dude if you can if you can keep your tears in your eyes at that moment you're just uh i don't know how you do it i i i get your emotional response to that moment i get it i really do yeah it's it's really frustrating too because bran that little asshole is the reason (laughs) why hodor became hodor and it's like you know he did that to him he went back in time and it's like uh, and so that's what's so frustrating is he sacrifices himself for brand but brand is the one that did that to him and i'm like god he's a asshole and well then <laughs> then it kind of plays on the whole you know was this fated to be kind of was I, I i sort of hate that sort of storytelling that's just my own personal but same i get it tom what were you gonna uh. say well, it's it's become a thing. I've noticed that when something makes me cry, each time I watch it, the cry happens earlier and earlier yeah. because I know it's coming up. And they're like, I just cried towards the end of it the first time. Now it's like each watch, it goes back a little bit further to where I'm like anticipating it. So I feel that welling up happening sooner and sooner. I almost cry at the very beginning of Hardball, the amount of times I've watched it. Like, I'm just going to be like, ah, it's going to be so sad in an hour or so <laughs> that's an idea for a future episode top five emotional moments or like or you know scenes or whatever something no, that know. will make you emotional one emotional or another could be sad could be happy whatever some that will generate a, a visible emotional response from you 
I could do that. I can make Maybe. that list. So I never. So I, I was late to the party with Game of Thrones. I didn't get started until about season four, season Same. five. And so my story behind the door was my roommate at the time was watching Game of Thrones and it was on in the living room and I was walking through to go to the kitchen and then like caught it kind of halfway in, looked at it real quick, didn't really care, and then came back out towards the end. And I was like, oh, I'll just watch a little bit of it. And I see that happen, and I watch the entire scene where Bran goes back and possesses Hodor, and then he does the hold the door, hold the door, and I'm like, what just happened? And my roommate at the time was like, that was probably the saddest moment in this entire show that I've ever seen. He's like, that was a terrible time for you to start watching the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yeah, well, now I got to watch it. Yeah. So yeah. it was... Uh, it was worth it. But yeah, that's a really good episode. The door. Mm-hmm. I like you got it. the free dessert. You got to buy the dinner. There you go. Asshole. Uh, Eric, yeah, I got your first one. <laughs> um, well, I was going back and forth on which one I should make first, because, you know, I when I make my list, I sort of I, I want to I don't I don't have a specific order in mind. I, so in this one, I'm going to give what I think is the best line in the entire show which I think is the tagline for the entire show. And this is where Theon Greyjoy has been captured uh, by Ramsay Snow. He had been playing like he's his buddy and they're escaping together. And then it turns out that Ramsay's the captor and he is playing a little game with Theon where Theon's all tied up to the, the flaying cross. I don't know what it's called. And uh, he's like, yes, guess, guess, guess where I'm from. We'll play a little game. Guess where I'm from? And Theon, hopefully, he asks, if I guess correctly, will you let me go? And Ramsey had a slight pause. And then he leaned in and delivered the best line in the show. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. I think that is the tagline for the entire damn show. Um. It sets up the future imprisonment and torture of Theon Greyjoy and everything that goes into the birth of Reek. And it's really hard. There's so many redemptive arcs in Game of Thrones, or at least attempted redemptive arcs. And there's a lot of moments that tease justice only to have the rug ripped out from underneath (laughs) underneath us. That's the whole show, right? Uh, But with Theon it was hard to feel pity on Theon up until that one pivotal moment later on, you know, with the sausage at that point, Mm. like no, nobody deserves, nobody deserves that kind of torture. Right. Um, To turn Theon into a pitiful, meaning a character to be pitied uh, situation is remarkable writing and remarkable storytelling. And I, I just feel like that moment was, the beginning of the birth of Reek, which set up a whole part of the character arc all the way up until the very end of the long night with that moment. And uh, again, like I said, it gave the best best line in the entire show, the tagline for the entire show and definitively told you who the hell Ramsey Snow was and what was going on with Theon. So that's my number one. Unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's the one. Yeah. It's I don't remember that one specifically. I do remember the good majority of, of Ramsey's story arc and what happened with that. Um, 
and then obviously that the sausage scene that we were talking about hmm. brutal um just a lot you really feel terrible for theon after a while and he's been such an idiot but you do feel really terrible for him and so you want him to get a w but ramsey is just such a piece of shit he is yeah. such a piece of shit that's a true sociopath. This is a guy who or maybe psychopath is the best. Uh, I don't know the guy. He can really he gets pleasure from causing pain. That is his his greatest joy is to cause others pain. Like he is truly fucked in the head. What do you, what how do you ugh, I don't know where you go from there, but it's true. It's true to life. There are a few people out there like that who a true monster. Well, speaking of true monsters, um, I'm just going to go with probably the most talked about episode in the entire series. The one that really had the biggest shock and twist. And I remember when, again, I wasn't watching Game of Thrones, but when this aired, I was in my room watching TV and I was living with my brother and his wife at the time. And I just heard in the background them go, oh, my God, holy shit. And I'm checking Twitter because I thought something sports related happened. But nope, everything was like Game of Thrones. Holy shit. So I'm like, okay. And this is the Reigns of Castamere. Um, oh, this boy. is this is the, the episode that everyone is like, holy crap. You get the deaths of three very big characters. Well, I'd say two very big characters and then another up and coming very big character um, f- from the Boltons. And that is such a interesting, interesting way that they did it. Um, and when you rewatch it, there are little moments that you pick up on, like when Roos covers his his cup. He doesn't want any wine. Um, and then uh, Walder is kind of dragging things out and he's looking around everywhere. You're like, God, this is kind of a long scene. The scene feels longer and you're like, something is uneasy. Mm-hmm. And um, Catherine, she she looks around and you can kind of see. And then it's obviously, you know, here's the Reigns of Castamere being played and then sees that Roos has chain mail on. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was brutal. Utterly, utterly brutal. And to see Rob in such prominence just get killed like that, that's when you were like, this show is bananas. Holy shit. This show yeah. is so crazy. But that's beautiful. You're, you're absolutely right. You can't expect uh, if you expect a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. And this is a great example of that. It's like, yeah, he got to marry and impregnate the the, the girl that he wanted to. But he broke a, an oath to the phrase and look what happened. And right. it's just like fudge. That was Justine, terrible. Yeah, we're we're accustomed in our modern age of, you know, everyone understands the argument. Well, it was for love. Well, OK, if it was for love, not in this setting. Nope. <laughs> love means nothing. <laughs> you uh, political uh, political obligations are far more important. And it's, that's tough to accept. And that, that 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 ending there to Rob Stark's story was tough to accept because you were just waiting he just took L after L after L, not on the battlefield, but with so many other things. And you think, OK, it's got to turn around for the boy now. It's got to like at some point, there's got to be something. Nope. Hard no. Um, yeah, you're right. That was that was tough. Beautiful. The cinematography, like you just alluded to, the, the setup, the point by point by point that you just described, masterfully done. Just masterful. It's a pretty heavy episode. Does any, do any of you guys have that one on your list? I no. do not. Wow. That is surprising. I, that is quite an episode. I get. I just figured it was going to be added on there. Somebody was going to say that, so I, I, I trusted that one of you was going to have that on the list. We were going to end up talking about it no matter. It's what, okay if we it's, agree, it, everyone. Yeah, every once in a while. No, I, I just like some things a little bit more. You know. Well, Tom, what's your number two? My number two is 
the hound wants some chicken. <laughs> this is probably my favorite just scene in the entire show. So the hound and Arya come across a, an inn where there's Lannister, Lannister soldiers, and one of them has Arya's needle. And she wants it back, and they go in, and the hound just has some of his best lines in the entire show, like, listening to talkers makes me thirsty. And then he downs his entire drink and says, and hungry, give me one of those chickens. <laughs> and they ask him if he has any money, and he says, not a penny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just a, a very tense back and forth. And eventually the guy says, you want to die for some chickens? And he says, someone is. <laughs> any more and words then, come pouring out of your cunt mouth? I'm going to have to eat every fucking chicken <laughs> in this room. <laughs> it's one of it's the greatest so lines good. ever. That's yeah, pretty awesome. <laughs> and then it just goes into basically a, a barroom brawl where he is taking out all of them, including mm -hmm. my favorite, where he has like a knife is being held down on the ground Ugh. and he grabs the guy's head and slams it into the knife over and over again, which is yeah. just that's awesome. Uh, and in the end, Arya has a horse and her needle and he's walking away or riding away, eating a piece of chicken. And it's just like he got what he came for. They're back on the road. Such a good scene. The brief moments of justice in Game of Thrones do sort of sort of keep you going. They keep you invested. Polliver getting his and Arya giving it to him was a really that was a special moment. Uh, you're right, though. The, <laughs> the Hound had some of the most badass lines and we were just talking about the cinematography a moment ago, the knife and the holding the dude down and stabbing his skull like mm. into the knife. I mean, it really shows. Holy God. I mean, that medieval combat was brutal as hell. Right. Oh, God. Horrible. Big ass knives slicing each other open and big ass hammers crushing each other. And it's horrible, horrible Game of Thrones. They filmed it perfectly, I think. Mm -hmm. Those first seasons. Ooh. So Ugh, good. Tough man. What is it? What episode is that called? I'm not sure the name. Let me. Uh, Isn't it called the Broken Man? Does he fight Brienne at the end? No, not in that. One. No, that's uh, that's. I was gonna say that's way in. later, right? That was also yeah, a really awesome yeah. fight, by the this, way. Yeah, this one's in like season three, I think. Or I know what you're talking about. Uh, is it called Grave Digger? No, that's not right. Uh, season four, episode one: Arya Stark and the Hound. Mm. There we go. You did allude to season three, though, Tom. Uh, uh, Zach a second ago I for my money season three is probably the best season out of all of them uh, and it's a toss between season three season four that those are the money seasons for me um, season three episode five I'll give you a quote from the scene you all despise me Kingslayer Oathbreaker man without honor this is Jamie Lannister's confession when he's in the bath with Brienne of Tarth Jamie had just lost his right hand. You know Jamie's situation. He's in the King's Guard. Nobody likes him. Nobody respects him. He's got his thing with his sister, obviously, but you never really can tell where he stands with his sister any given, you know, day of the week. Yeah, you, you never really he never really knows where he stands with his father because he's supposed to be the heir, but he doesn't really want to be. And he, of, of all the weird places and all the weird goings on in the world, the one thing Jamie Lannister can count on is he is the best swordsman alive. He's got that going for him. And then he isn't because he loses his hand. And he has this situation with Brienne of Tarth where they are trying to <laughs> sur survive these people who had kidnapped him. And 
he gets to the point where he's in a bath and, and this was at Heron Hall, I believe is where they're, they had the bath scene, right? This, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Brienne's already in the bath. Jamie sits in the bath. She's looking at him just disgustingly as we all had to this point, because up until this moment, Jamie Lannister is just about the biggest dick who ever lived. I mean, obviously he pushed Bran out of the tower. He's horrible. He's been, he's awful. He's just a, he's just a ponce. He's a, he's jackass. We hate him. But when he loses his hand, we all, we do recognize a certain justice to it, but we also recognize like, that's a horrible thing to happen to him. Uh, In this moment where he talks about, he killed the mad King, the big moment of his, he's the betrayer. He's the oath breaker, the big pivotal moment of his entire backstory of why the world sees him as he is. He tells the true story of how he killed the mad King and why he did it because the mad King was going to have his father killed and kill everybody in King's landing, a million people. The, the concept of honor is kind of an older concept. So we're a bit more morally flexible today, I think. But so we kind of understand where Jamie's coming from. We understand that dilemma. But in that moment, we got sort of a three-dimensional view of Jamie Lannister. Really, I think for the first time, a pivotal three-dimensional. But we also got a pivotal three-dimensional view of Ned Stark. Because in that one moment, because at that point, Ned Stark had been the big Boy Scout protagonist that we loved in honor. And yes, of course, we're, we, we love Ned Stark. He's the hero, long dead now by this point. But then we realize his sense of honor was also somewhat a little pig-headed. And he did and would have judged Jamie instantly in that moment, would not be interested in his explanation whatsoever. There's, there is nothing, I, I do wonder... In my head, my head cannon, I do wonder what his reaction would have been had he learned the truth of why Jamie did what he did and when he did it. But that's neither here nor there. So th- what's important is this entire scene, this scene gave us a whole new tilt on the backstory, setting up the main story of Game of Thrones and fully tilted our view of three characters, Jamie Lannister, Ned Stark and Brienne of Tarth. It is a monumentally important scene in all of Game of Thrones, season three, episode five, uh, The Bath. Which this one's also on my list because it's a great scene of just him telling all of this backstory. And he kind of alluded to this in an earlier episode when Catelyn Stark was talking to him while he was caged up and captured. And she calls him an oath breaker. And he says, oath breaker, but you, you do give an oath to your king, but you also give an oath to your father. And what if your king wants you to kill your father? Some way you're going to have to break an oath. Like mm-hmm. you can't please everybody. Yeah, was, there was some foreshadowing there. More, yeah. yeah. He did it in a more, you know, joking way when he did it there. And this is his more serious down to earth way. Yeah, we understood Rob Stark's anger at Catelyn Stark releasing Jamie, trusting Jamie. Um, in hindsight, we kind of get it, but at the time, we're like, "Yeah, we get Rob Stark's anger. That's uh, probably not wise to trust this guy." So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my number two. What season is it? Uh, season three, episode five. Kissed by fire. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. 
Okay, um, so my second one is early on in the season. Um, I like big battle scenes. Uh, Blackwater. Blackwater is a fantastic uh, episode. We get to see Tyrion really kind of come into his own for the most part, even though he's still a Lannister at that at that moment. Um, not just not just Lannister born, but he's fully on with um, uh, his family, and he still doesn't like Joffrey because he's a little piece of shit. But it, you know, it's you, you do think that Stannis is going to come through and just completely obliterate. King's Landing because they have the the firepower, the ships, all that kind of stuff. But that beautiful night shot, the battle between it and then the explosion with the what's the green fire called again? They call it something uh, like dragon fire. Dragon fire was freaking it's not amazing. wildfire. It's not oh, wildfire. it might be wildfire. Yeah, it's wildfire. Yeah, wildfire yeah, was was unreal because it was just something. It, it just showed how brilliant Tyrion was, and you really get to see him as a leader. And he's he's probably my favorite character in the entire series. Tyrion is just unbelievable so uh blackwater is a really hard episode to beat especially that early on um it's season two episode nine where you really get a kind of uh you know we're coming out of out of that surprise any nuts and season one and uh season two doesn't disappoint either it just keeps going up from there season two was also strong i i, I felt season three is the strongest but season two is Real, real, real good too. So that's that's a strong choice there. The Battle of the Blackwater is a pivotal moment in the entire series. You bet. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good episode. So agreed. <laughs> so Eric, it is your time. It's time for your third. Time for my third. Okay. Uh, speaking of your boy Tyrion, whom you love so much, one of the most satisfying moments in the entire series. Is also one of the most frustrating. The quote I have is, I wish I was the monster you think I am. I wish I had enough poison for the whole pack of you. I would gladly give my life to watch you all swallow it. Tyrion's Day in Court, Season 4, Episode 6, The Laws of Gods and Men. We knew Tyrion was innocent. We knew that. He knew that. The people around him knew that. Cersei probably knew that, though, in her grief, there, there's reason to maybe I don't know, maybe not. The point is, Tyrion had just we had just saw in the backstory there, we had just saw Jamie basically beg for his life, his brother's life. And Tyrion was going to go to the wall, which to us meant Tyrion was going to go hang with Jon Snow. Not a great fit for him at the wall, but like not the worst thing in the world. We know Again, meta-knowledge, our meta-knowledge as the viewers, we know that the big story, the big battle, the one that matters more than anything, is up at the wall, okay? It's, it's coming. Well, if Tyrion's going up there, okay, well, Tyrion, with his unique skill set, maybe, could possibly help? We don't really know. But all I know is it's not necessarily an imminent death if he's going up there with Jon Snow, it's a guy he likes and respects and vice versa. It's not the end of the world. Okay. Just an end of a lifestyle. All right. And then he gets his chance in court with Shay lying. The woman he loves is standing there just lying about him and it breaks him. And he has his day in court. Boy, he does. He, he, he blows it all up. And he tells everybody exactly what he thinks of them. I, I saved all of you. I should have let Stannis kill you all. I am on trial for being a bastard. I've been on trial that my whole life. That's what this is about. 
and I, I, I'm not going to get any justice here, so I'll let the gods decide. I demand trial by combat. Which, I demand trial yeah. by combat. Which, of course, we're like, oh, no, because there's <laughs> like he can't fight. So what the hell? His brother can't fight for him. And, you know, we, we know Braun is probably not going to fight for him at this point because of that, you know. So, oh, no. Oh, no. Be, this might actually be worse. <laughs> How is he going to get out of this one? It just keeps kicking the can. It just keeps escalating and escalating and building. It's beautiful storytelling. It's wonderful storytelling. It's exactly what you're supposed to do um, to, to, to move the conflict and, and raise the stakes every step along the way. It's just every so often we do get these satisfying moments in Game of Thrones where these terrible people get told terrible things about themselves and it's deeply satisfying and it almost always means horrible shit for our people that we're rooting for. <laughs> it almost always is a precursor to something terrible. So, but it is one of the best moments in all of Game of Thrones. I am sure you both agree. So, yes, Tyrion's day in court. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely one of my top five favorite moments in game of thrones and it's it's so heartbreaking to see shay lie to him like that and or lie about him like that and you just you get that that moment of hope too when um the viper i forget his name when he he says i'll be your champion yeah martell he says i'll be your champion and you're just and you know Tyrion is almost about to cry and i'm like oh god you know he he needed that w a little bit and he was so (laughs) close but we know what happens after that Uh, Yeah, so the reason that one's not on my top five list is I love that courtroom scene and everything with Tyrion. I did not like the Yara trying to rescue Theon. That stuff was kind of lame. It felt so pointless because I'm like, she didn't even save him. What the hell's going on? And I don't know. It just kind of dragged a little bit. If I could have an entire courtroom drama, then I I, would have taken the entire courtroom drama. That would have been incredible. So... Yeah, unfortunately, that one didn't make my list, but it's still an, it's one of my favorite moments in Game of Thrones. Same, 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 same. Cool. Well, same, I am same. going to. So, man, they're even talking about this show and looking things up. I'm like, oh, that's a good episode. That's a good episode. That's a good episode. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that one. But one that really stuck out in my heads was season five, episode eight, Hard Home. Now, this is the the first time we ever get to see the White Walkers. And this entire, what, f- up to five seasons now, we've been hearing about winter's coming, winter's coming, winter's coming. And the the, the Night Watch are looking out for these White Walkers. Uncle Benji has, has seen them, and all this stuff is just building up to it, right? Then you have the Wildlings and the and the Night Watch, who they weren't on on the same side at that point, right? They agreed to go together, but they didn't like each other. Yeah. And when they actually finally encounter the the White Walkers, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like you cannot kill them. But then you have that moment when John grabs his Valerian steel and he kills one, and you're like, "Foreshadowing! Holy crap!" But they need to get out of there because there's no way in hell they're going to do it. And all the dead, the quote unquote dead bodies that are there, the the humans, uh, the wildlings and stuff, and the White Walker the, the King, he just lifts his arms up, and then all of them stand up. And I'm like, "Oh no, this is going to be a lot harder than they thought." Uh huh. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, Night King, yeah, it's uh, hard. Home is it? It it really really slaps. That's a great episode. You really understand how. Uh, how grand and grave the consequences are of what's about to happen. Um, 
yeah, they're going to need a lot more help. You got to, we're going to need yeah. a bigger boat sort of, sort of moment with a, with yeah. Jaws. It's we, um, quite a bit. We had seen, John had been saying forever, like it's, it's the living versus the dead it, guys, the living versus the dead. That's the fight. And the whole show has been political machinations and tit for tat and the whole way through. Even, even that episode all the way through, like you talked about for me, what's pivotal in that moment is the moment with the Fen who is just like, no, this is, that's our enemy. Jon Snow is our enemy. The, the, the crows, they are our enemy. And as soon as you get on the boats, they're going to kill all of you. You know, I'll never trust a crow ever. And as soon as the night King showed up and they start storming the ramparts, they, they all start or barking out orders and they, the Fen teams up immediately. You go get that. We'll go get this. It's on. It's in that moment that it, yeah, for finally, finally, we see, yes, in fact, it is the living versus the dead and the living might not have enough. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's it's quite an episode. It really, you know, all these subplots have already started and this is where this one goes. And mm-hmm. I think it sets up the subplots in at the end of season two pretty, pretty well. Uh, but now you're like, OK, this is full on. Jon Snow is who we need. We need Valerian Steel. We need a lot more. And we need a new strategy, and and this is quite an episode. It's it's pretty unreal. What's the name of his wildling friend? The Which one? Dude? Oh, the, um, Tormund. Tormund, uh, Giant's Tor- It's like Tormund. Do you trust him? Tormund. Oh, yeah, there you he, go. Tormund. He's prettier than my daughters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tormund. Awesome. Uh, Tormund's so amazing, and the actor good. who plays Tormund is fantastic. Uh, he's good. I like yeah. his facial expressions, and every time he sees Brienne, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, hello, pretty lady. <laughs> just just leering at her. Just uh. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, he's. Uh, I was glad he he survived. He was a very awesome companion of John and um, he helped him out in, in much later episodes, too. So, Thomas, number four. Okay, my number four is from episode eight. Or no, season eight, episode three, The Long Night. And that is the death of the Night King. Now, I'm going to start this with, yes, this should have been episode eight of an eight episode like season. It shouldn't have been episode three of, of season eight. It should have been, we should have led up to it a lot better. I will say that. Sure. But this is mostly just for the scene and just the score that's happening and it's kind of building up and up as you see people are, it's looking like our, our heroes aren't going to win this one and everyone's got their problems. Jon Snow has a dragon that he has to slay and Mm -hmm. it seems like there's no hope. And then Arya comes out of nowhere, but the night King turns around and grabs her by the throat and you're like, no, they're doing it to me again. (laughs) No. And then she pulls off a move that, actually was in an earlier episode when she was fighting Brienne yep. and she did the, the little dagger switch to the other hand. And for a second, you're just thinking, Oh, she dropped the dagger. We're all done. Game over. It looks like the night King is going to go fight Cersei, but she catches it and she stabs him in the gut. And I love the moment. I, I know some people don't like it, sure. but I loved it. I still think it's one of the coolest things and I'll stick by that. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, the the music leading up to that moment. Oh, mm. my God. Um, yeah, it was definitely a dark 
the dark episode and people had a hard time seeing what was going on. Yeah. I, I mean, that's intentional. It's supposed to be extra dark. It's a long night. It's just not long enough, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. We've yeah. said our piece on that. We've said our, we've said, you know, we, we agree. We already agree. <laughs> no, I fucking hated yeah. the episode. Uh, okay. I, Again, I, I fucking I'm, hated the episode. I, I'm mo- adding this as that scene at that's the end. Fine. There's a lot of stuff in it that was uh, atrocious. But I, but I think just for the sake of this, and yeah. not to poo-poo your point, but sure. just for the sake <laughs> of this, just because that scene was excellent, it doesn't doesn't make up for the reason that that they botched the shit out of that episode. They had two years to make something that was better than Battle of the Bastards, better than Lord of the Rings. The Two Towers is what mm-hmm. they were trying to say. They're like, this is our Helm's Deep. Cool. You have a very big budget. It's your final season and you have two years and we get that piece of shit. And I understand it was, it was nighttime and it was dark. It was incredibly hard to see. We know they can do nighttime scenes because Blackwater was uh, fantastically shot. Sure. This was terrible. The strategies were weird. You send the Dothraki in and you know, they're going to immediately get killed. Like what kind of fucking strategy is that? And, and everything up through it just didn't seem good. You couldn't see what was happening. You're like, who's, Who's getting killed? Did Brienne just die? Like, wh- what is going on? And I, I I couldn't stand it. I was so mad at the end of the episode. The, In the, terms the, of the tactics, if they had just sold it off, like, well, all the old commanders who knew what they were doing are dead. It's just the kids who are running shit now. And what do they know about anything? They're they're. I, I would have appreciated that more so. I think sure. that would have been a, a better path to go. But okay. the Arya part is, yeah, is the only redeeming quality in this because it was really badass because I was like, fuck, she's going to die. And then uh, the hand <laughs> drop and... Like that was cool, but you just killed your big baddie who it should have been in the third episode. And he really didn't get any kind of fight against Jon Snow, any fight against anybody. He shows up and gets stabbed, which again, they shouldn't have rushed it because you could have had like an episode where Tormund was like still coming back to Winterfell. That could have been a whole episode. You could have had the Dothraki die like against the dead in a previous episode. If you did an episode where they, instead of just having them race out into the die, like have an episode where they like meet them on the battlefield and die. And you could have had a, you would have had a five way fight between the (laughs) Hound and Tormund and Jon Snow and Arya against the Night King. That would be would, so oh, cool. That would be oh fucking dense. Oh my god! I, th- I think that would be my favorite. <laughs> would have been my favorite episode, but no, we got that piece of shit episode and all of season eight, which I think is such a anomaly. You know, I, I actually wanna, I want to take I want to take a moment and say the actors the actors were incredible. We're just oh, they were, for the writing. Oh, they yeah. were great. Yeah, I agree yeah. completely. But okay. yeah, season eight episode two is actually better than I think the long night. So the one before that, where it was because it was the calm before the storm. And sometimes I really yeah. like Game yes. of Thrones when we get heavy dialogue. I agree. And, and, and you just get moments. Like, I can't remember what season it was, but when Bronn, uh, Shay, and Tyrion are all drinking and they're yep. learning about each other, season it's a beautiful exposition because they play a guessing, a drinking game where they're like, guess my backstory. So you learn about yeah. them through this character development, through this this normal fluidity of the script, and it's not forced. And so A Absolutely. Night of the Seven Kingdoms, the, the season eight, episode two, right before The Long Night, is, is incredibly well done because everyone is like, this is probably going to be our last night together. And and it's so heartfelt and you get a lot of what you need to do. And, you know, um, uh, not Aria, um, blanking the sister, the redhead sister, Sansa, uh, Sansa, she, she, she kind of starts coming into her own, you know, yeah. more so in, in, in season seven, but season six and seven, and she, she, she's that leader we need. And, and yeah. she's, she's the, the, the queen. And so it's just, Oh, they're man, sitting, they're sitting in that hall around that fire and you just know not all of them are making it out of it. Nope. 
For Which some of them, this the is their part. last night. We, and we knew it. We knew it, too, because we mm-hmm. loved all those characters. All those characters had touched our heart. Every single one of them had, had either broke it or gained it at some point. And we knew some uh, many of them were going to die. We knew for sure. And then our boy busts out in his song and it just breaks our goddamn hearts. Yeah, because he's good. an amazing singer. And you see Aria with her moment, uh, her her grown up moment there. And then you see. Uh, and then, and, and then you see, uh, oh boy, I'm trying to remember his name off top. Padraic? No, well, no, Padraic was the one singing. That's what I thought. While, yeah. while he was singing, um, the soldier for, uh, one of Danny's soldiers. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, jo- no, Jorah died. So it not, not Jorah. Jorah. No, Jorah, this was before oh, that. Was it, was it, um, uh, um, worm? Yes. Gray worm. Yes. Yeah, gray, gray worm. worm. Gray worm has his moment, his goodbye with Masande. And it's just Misande. like it dude Aww, just, just tears away, goes he's 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 going to war. Masande's just standing there, just watching this man go do his thing. It just just rips your heart out of yeah. your chest. Beautifully done, you're absolutely right. Beautiful written, beautiful acting. So for that to happen and then lead up to what came next, yeah, I yeah. hear you. <laughs> So they definitely had their a game on that episode though. So thank you for bringing that up. Oh man. We took a long time talking about that one. Where are we? (laughs) It's on me now. It's on me. My number, Mm -hmm. my number four. Okay. This is, um, this one was tough. This was tough to watch. This was season five finale episode five. The quote is for the watch. You know what happened? The, the, mur- the murder of Ollie Lord, piece of shit. <laughs> the murder of Lord Commander Jon Snow. I just we don't have to go too far into it. It's like we know he, he's got to come back. Right. But we didn't know for sure that he was going to come back because the, the show had killed off major characters before. Right. We were pretty sure they were going to bring him back they, like it had to. Right. Well, no, they didn't have to because it could make room for Sansa. It could make room for Arya, who was coming back at this point. I, it. it Maybe he really is dead, or if he's if he stays dead, what could they do something completely different there? I, I it just it it flabbergasted and it killed us because that that little Ollie asshole. Also, we understood what he where he was coming from though. He was a broken hearted kid who'd watched his family murdered by these wildlings, and so it's 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 easy to reconcile his prejudice uh, against the wildlings and. Uh, What's harder is to, to, to accept is the uh, the older Sir uh, God. What is his name? I can't remember because it's been so long now. Mister Eamon? No, 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 no. Uh, Sir the guy Jorah. Who, no, no, no. The guy who stabbed him. Oh um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking. About. Uh, uh, Alistair. Yeah. Something. Yeah. And now uh, the actor who played him is also phenomenal. He gave some of the best lines I've ever seen. Some of the best delivery. Do you know what leadership is, Lord Snow? It means getting second-guessed by every clever little twat with a mouth. (laughs) But if you start second-guessing yourself, that's the end. For you, the clever little twats, for everyone. So that's, anyway, that's a totally different episode. But for him to do the ultimate betrayal, I just felt like if, if, if John had taken him to hard home, right? If he had gone as first ranger with the Lord Commander to Hardhome, he could have he could have left like his boy in charge of the castle and 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 known it was going to be fine. It was the it was it was uh, Sir Alistair who needed to be convinced, 
but this was like a, a touchy diplomatic moment and Sir Alistair, he didn't need a hothead. I get why he wouldn't be taken there, but if he had been at hard home, he would, he would have understood where John was coming from instantly. Right. We just talked about that a moment ago of how important hard home was. Um, that's what made it so frustrating that it's, that's what added to that frustration. It's because he wasn't there. He didn't see it firsthand. So the political machinations, the old prejudices are, that have been ossified, they, they, they can't be healed. Um, and, and he turns and he kills Jon Snow and he gets half the Night's Watch to join in. And that was a horrible moment in the show that I, I think it was frustratingly written, but also brilliantly written. It was just tough to tough to take, man. Quite a way to end season five. Absolutely. Because then you're like, no, I got to wait a year. <laughs> you sons of bitches. So, yeah. And then you saw like all the makeup, yeah. of how like the blood was draining out of him. And it like sort of looked yeah. like it was rising up like fire and like, oh, man, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. That's not foreshadowing. Yeah. Anyway, good episode. Uh, the, yeah, that's my number four. Mother's Mercy. Season five, episode 10. Cool. So for my number four, uh, we talked about villains and probably the most hated person in the in the entire show besides Ramsey Bolton. I would say the OG hated person is Joffrey Baratheon. He's a little mm -hmm. fucker. That mm -hmm. guy's a good actor. Jackie yeah, Gleason is. or something like not Jackie Gleason. I, it's like something Gleason. Anyways, um, the fact that uh, he can go around and people be like, I hate you, even though he's probably a really nice kid uh, was was awesome. And so, you know, he did some pretty atrocious things, some pretty awful things throughout the show. And you could see that we got to put this rabid dog down. And so everything leading up to this uh, through this episode is so well done. It's a majestic wedding, the purple wedding. Uh, he's about to marry, Mar marry Marjorie Tyrell. Um, Sansa is just trapped. You feel terrible for her. Um, uh, who's Tyrell? The Tyrell mother. What's her name? Elena. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. Elena. Elena Martell. Elena Martell. Not, 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 no, 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 no. Elena uh, Tyrell. Tyrell. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Elena Tyrell. She, you know, she wants to take Sansa under her wing, kind of, and and understands that she fucking hates Joffrey. She hates Cersei, but she understands like loving your children and stuff, and we get Joffrey just freaking out throughout the whole episode, being a little prick. And then he starts to choke and he chokes and he chokes and he chokes. And then all the blood goes out of him and his eyes get all bloodshot and he dies. And mm. us collectively as Game of Thrones fans were like, yes, God damn it. Yes, finally. And it was <laughs> it was so well done. And everyone is like, fuck, yeah, Joffrey, you piece of shit. So but exactly what we just talked about moments of glee and yes justice yeah. immediately having the rug yanked out from under us because what happened next well and the beauty of it is it's season four episode two so it's at the start of the season mm -hmm. and you're like this is this is good it's it's gonna help and then no it doesn't yeah <laughs> and, and then it's and then yeah Tyrion gets blamed for it all and you're just like oh my god why I'm it's just so. raising the stakes it's raising the stakes always yep. gotta raise those stakes man that's how it is well but the beauty of it too is it's like no one's safe in, in, in Westeros. Anybody could die at any moment. That's right. And when we find out later on in season, I think like six or seven, when it was Elena Tyrell, and she's like, tell Cersei it was me. You're like, oh, baby, that was hot. It was a badass so, moment, too. It's a pretty badass moment. You don't moment. know, grandmother, but I do know. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> pretty amazing. I, so The Lion and I, the Rose, season four, episode two. 
Yeah, I remember watching this at Gordy's house and us actually like cheering, like everyone going, yeah, when he starts <laughs> like choking and dying. And it's just like so excited to watch a boy die. It's, ter- it's awesome. terrible that we're, we're cheering on the death of a boy. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's like 16 years old. And we're just like, yes, die, choke you, son of a bitch. <laughs> so the actor's name is Jack Gleason. Uh, and yeah, uh, he's, he's, okay, he's, right. he's 30 now. He's 30. Oh, wow. Uh, he just got yeah. back into acting. Uh so he's yeah, because he, re- he retired once he once he was killed off. He just retired from acting. He was like, yeah, yeah he was done for a little bit there. Um, <laughs> Everyone but, hates uh, me. I'll go away for a little. Yeah, bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was done uh, for like seven, eight years or whatever. Then he's joined a TV series for a couple episodes, and now he's got a couple of things that he's work he's working on. So yeah, he's uh, you know he's he's back in the game. Uh, he was a hell of an actor, man. To get people to hate you like that, that's yeah. that's incredibly well done. Good for him, uh, man. Uh, so same with same as the guy who played Draco Malfoy. A lot of the same thing. Something Tom about Hiddleston, a Ponzi. Or not Tom Hiddleston. Something about a Ponzi <laughs> blonde boy who's an asshole. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Nobody likes it. <laughs> Nobody. Speaking of an annoying blonde boy, <laughs> my number five is season one, episode six, A Golden Crown. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's such a. This is the first like guy that you hate finally gets his comeuppance where he's just been a whiny little brat. Viserys Targaryen Mm -hmm. is just the whiniest, worst person ever. And Mm -hmm. we all hated him. And it was the first time that you realized, oh, it's not just going to be good guys dying. Like everyone's like anyone can die and they won't get away with this because it's so early to be killing off what is essentially a main character. Like it's only episode mm-hmm. six and we're getting rid of like one of the main bad guys here. And just the scene with Khal Drago is just kind of sitting back while he holds a sword to Danny's stomach and he's talking in Dothraki, but he doesn't understand. So he doesn't know what he's saying. And he puts down his sword because he thinks he's going to get his kingly crown and he's going to be all hunky dory. And then they break his arms and they melt some gold and they pour it over the top of his head and mm. he screams and he screams. And then it, I, I, oh, I always love when they let go of him and you hear the clunk, clunk. of the metal yeah. hitting the ground. It's just such a good sound. Uh, and then, yeah, just Danny saying uh, he wasn't a true dragon. Fire doesn't kill dragons. And then, boom, go to black. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, this is also the episode where Tyrion has his uh, first trial by combat, where the buddies get together for the first time, basically, Mm -hmm. him and Bronn. And and now they're going to just, you know, travel everywhere as long as they get well. (laughs) Anytime you get the buddy cops together, it's always good. But yeah, yeah, him him and Bronn, Arya and the Hound, (laughs) uh, uh, Podrick and Brienne. I would tell you that... uh, that that death scene while brutal is also historically accurate that happened a few times that is a horrible way to go yeah god you can like smell (laughs) it coming off the screen right the burnt hair and the burnt flesh the actor did amazing that blood curdling scream Ugh! ow god almighty yeah eric want to finish this off with your fifth the quote is thank you for all your many lessons lord baelish I will never forget them. The execution of Littlefinger, season seven, episode seven, the dragon and the wolf. Talk about a dude getting his come up. It's holy mother of dragons. This dude had it coming and it's about time. And it's so satisfying because 
finally, finally, given the political machinations of what's going on and uh, people choosing sides, finally we get the satisfaction of a character we like choosing another character that we like uh, that, that, that who should by rights agree Sansa sides with Arya and they agree that their family has suffered enough. And there, there, there've been people who are acting outside of the family and uh, who have been impacting them for far too long. And their brother who knows everything he's basically got at this point tells them, really goes into what Littlefinger is all about. And they engineer one of the most cinematically satisfying executions I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. First of all, the entrapment is Littlefinger-esque, right? The entrapment of him there, the shock on his face as he realizes that he's the one being called to task. And, and, And he, you know, he does all the things you expect Peter Baelish to do. He denies, he obfuscates, he appeals to a power to try to get him out of there. He realizes that he is trapped. He is a bird in a cage, trapped. He hits his knees and he begs. And Arya walks over to him and with a flick of the wrist, slashes his throat and doesn't change emotion at all and walks back away. And he just sits there gurgling, bleeding all over the stone floor, falls on his face dead. Sansa is crying because this is an emotionally big moment for her. And she did there. There's some, maybe probably some sort of affection there with Peter Bayless. She's, she is sad, genuinely sad by what has happened here, but she did what she had to do to protect her family. And, uh, Peter Bayless had to die. He was never, it's like, um, uh, it's like the spider, uh, Varys had said about him once. Um, Peter Baelish is like he enjoyed his company. He would see the realm burn to ash if or burn to the ground if he could be king of the ashes. He was just an inherently dangerous man. And he in this moment where they're rallying up all, all hands on deck going against the Night King, Peter Baelish does not have a place. He is just a he is just a snake in your midst. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's outlived his usefulness and he's got nowhere else to hide. He's done. He's got to go. Yep. So uh, the execution of Littlefinger. Very good choice. I agree. Super satisfying. The entire show wouldn't exist if it wasn't for his betrayal. He literally is the start of, of everything that occurred. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Well, so I will finish it off. And this was really hard for me because this is these two are two of my favorite episodes in the entire series uh easily and uh, they are both in season six because i think season six is the best the first one that is not on my list that i'm going to briefly tell you about is the winds of winter where we get to see cersei uh exact her revenge in such an amazing way very much a godfather part one way where you see everything just kind of unfold and happen and that entire church explodes um, my goodness you you learn to not fuck with a lannister and don't fuck with cersei because she is she is amazing. So that is quite, quite an episode. But my favorite episode, because of how it's shot, because of how action packed it is, because of everything that led up to it and that piece of shit Ramsey Bolt, uh, Bolton finally gets caught, gets 
everything happens to him. Battle of the Bastards. Um, I, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see a better and, and more flawlessly executed uh, action set piece in terms of like a, a medieval battle for a TV show than we will for that. That was movie quality. It was unreal. The memorable shot, the iconic shot of Jon Snow pulling his sword and challenging the entire army by himself only to be saved by his his brethren is so well done. Um, you think there's that other beautiful shot when they circle around them and they're all caving in and John reaches up to try to catch air because he's trapped in all those bodies. And then all of a sudden the veil comes and saves them. It's just, it's such an epic episode. And I, I loved every minute of it. When I saw it, I was just like, holy crap. What it, like this show is, is in, incredible. It's, it's, it's a perfect episode in my opinion. And I wanted, I wanted the long night to be the battle of the bastards, but it wasn't mm. the ups and downs, the back and forth, uh, the, even the, intrigue leading up to it with the meeting out in front of you're going to die. <laughs> you're, you're going to, you're going to die. Ramsey sleep. Well, yeah. And one of, one of my favorite things uh, about it was, uh, so a, a tactic in filmmaking that uh, you do is the rule of three. So um, when you do something, uh, you give an expectation of, okay, first arrow is going to miss when the little start kid is running towards him. Second arrow is going to miss, but third arrow is definitely going to hit him. And when the third arrow missed, you have this moment of hope, like, holy shit, he actually mm -hmm. might be okay. And then boom, fourth arrow kills him right in front of John. And so mm -hmm. just subverting our expectations enough for that is, is fantastic. And that's why this is such an amazing episode, but sure. that is my fifth and final. All right. Nicely done. That's so a good one. Wait. Okay. Well, let me do a little rundown here. Uh, we got Thomas, me, uh, has the door season six episode five two swords season four episode one kissed by fire season three episode five the long night season eight episode three and a golden crown season one episode six eric has unbound unbent unbroken which doesn't have any season on it uh kissed by fire season three episode five <laughs> the law of gods and men season four episode six mother's mercy season five episode 10 and the dragon and the wolf season seven episode seven zach has the reigns of castamere season three episode nine uh blackwater season two episode nine hardhome season eight Five, episode eight, The Lion and the Rose, season four, episode two, and The Battle of Bastards, season six, episode nine. You have a lot of episode nines on there, Zach. I know. Because, so, I mean, the cliffhangers <laughs> are so well good. done. That's yeah. how it goes. So, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken is season five, episode six. All right. Just for people who wanted to watch it. So, season five. There you go. Yeah. And episodes get, ni episode nines are great, man. They're they're excellent. They really are. Ugh. Cool. So yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're done here. Think so. Any parting words? No. Uh, got some at the very end. I'm holding on to the very end. Well, alrighty. Thank you for tuning in to the Top Five Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top Five, at Zachdale sixty, at Tom Top Five, and at Snack Burglar, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we're crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. And also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you, and remember, it is okay to be wrong even though you think you are right. Any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. Also, never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor, and it can never be used to hurt you. Two of my favorite lines. 
Alrighty. See you later. Later, guys. Thanks.